And uh, so I, I just want to know your answer for it too. Um, between George Clooney and Brad Pitt, who's uh, better looking? Brad Pitt. Wow, she said George Clooney. What? Hey guys, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Milan. And this is David. And today I finally watched Ocean's Eleven. So Ocean's Eleven is part of the Ocean's Trilogy with like the little offshoot of Ocean's Eight that came out a couple of years, but we won't talk about that one. Um, and then based on the Ocean's Eleven from the 60s. Yeah, which is based off of um, nothing. And <laughs> so this one, the first one, I think... I don't think it's the most famous one. I'm pretty sure Ocean's 12 is the is the most famous one. But what do you mean by most famous? I think most like notorious. Like I think everyone everyone knows of these movies, but I think most everyone can talk about Ocean's 12. Not everyone can talk about Ocean's 11. I it takes, no way. What it, do you mean? It, it takes a high mind to talk about this film, David. Are we qualified? Yeah, I just barely. Um, so, all right. So let's let's start with. I love this trilogy. I've seen this trilogy. You're new to this. Uh, with the first one, with Eleven, how did you feel about Ocean's Eleven? I I always knew I would love Ocean's Eleven. Um, and uh, you know we're soon gonna do twelve and thirteen, and I know I'm gonna like those too. Um, I've liked all the Soderbergh movies I've seen so far, but I really enjoyed this movie. It's a very like light, just like not a lot of tension. Um, right. Yeah. You, you kind of know that they're gonna be successful from the jump. Um. But having, you know, said that, the other thing, too, is uh, this movie, like, leans into, well, I don't know, you could say it leans into, like, a lot of, like, heist tropes, but it also maybe, like, created a lot of the tropes that, like, I've seen going forward. This movie's 20 years old at this point, right? Right. Um, But even with all that, it's just done so well, executed so perfectly that, like, none of that, it's almost like, referential to itself like it knows it knows it's doing these things but it's doing it well enough and it's like doing it purposely that you're just like it's just enjoyable so i um i liked it about as much as i thought i would (laughs) um so the the only problems i really have in the movie is there's some like bs technical lingo that gets thrown around um you know, especially with like, oh, the you know, we just have to go into the mainframe and put a little bug on one of the wires and then we're in, we're into the whole, you know, who cares if it's a loop system or, you know, whatever they call it. Um, I think a lot of that gets just BS throughout the film. Of, of course, watching it 20 years ago, I think a lot of people were less savvy about technology than they are today. Um, and, you know, there's some people that aren't, you know, savvy at all with, with technical terms. So I think that just goes over the heads of a lot of audience. Um, but even if it doesn't go over your head, there's something that's just like total bullshit about all the, like the technology that they throw at you. Um, but I, I, 
if you can get over that, which I think is an easy thing to do, then this is this is one of my favorite heist movies uh, because they don't spoon feed you every little bit of it. Like when they do, they do that kind of like, um, what is it? That trope where as the lead guy is talking about the plan and talking about everyone's involvement of the movie, it's playing in real time alongside of it. Right. Um, Right. And, but the thing with this film is that they, they sneak in so many things that they don't want to draw your attention to right away that because of that, it gives this movie a lot of rewatchability in the, in the process that it's like, Oh crap, this thing happened in the end. I wonder if they hinted it to us earlier in the movie, you go back, you watch it. Boom. Sure enough, they did. But you know, they, they, do it in such a way where you don't catch it unless you are looking for that specific thing. So I think this movie does that kind of thing the best I've seen in a long time. One other thing I noticed is, you know, a lot of times when people are in heist movies or movies with like a plan explaining things, you kind of see like, you may see like a rough montage of how that's supposed to work out. And then later on we see the longer thing. In here, a lot of times, and specifically in like the Brad Pitt explaining to Andy Garcia how the bags are going to be brought up by his people, we're seeing the rough cut that's actually happening at the same time. Right. And you, and I don't like that's was the most noticeable one to me. And then you don't realize like until it's over that it's like, oh shit, that already just happened. Like we're, we're not seeing it again. Uh, well, that that leads to one of my favorite parts in the end, and, and uh, obviously we'll get to that. Um, but how how did you like this? How this movie began? Because I thought it was very cheeky and cheesy, but it, it was like a lot of it felt like a nod and a wink to the audience, but it worked. Did you feel the same way? Well, what do you mean? Because I thought I thought a lot of it in the beginning wasn't really spoon fed, like. Y- y- it kind of reminded me of like, you know how George Lucas likes to start things in the middle, right? Right. Like Star Wars, Indiana Jones. He doesn't like to explain origin stories. This just starts like right in the middle of, you know, Danny Ocean and his relationship to all these people. Like he's been a thief, a a con man for most of his life. And this is just, Hey, he just got out of prison and it's the next score. And right. it's like, you're, you have to figure out bits and pieces of like what happened before, what matters. No, exactly. I think the, the main relationship, like out of all 10 of his guys, he's closest, apart from Brad Pitt, but he's closest to Frank, who's um, played by Bernie Mac. And right. I think that's like, that's the first relationship. That's the first connection he goes out and, and makes when he gets out. Um which is really telling to kind of like, you know, the whole, their whole relationship th- throughout the movie. Um, and we'll, we'll get to why in a second, but I, I meant like a nod and a wink, like uh, remember that scene kind of like closer to the end of the first third of the movie where him and uh, uh, Russ played by uh, Brad Pitt, they're sitting at a bar and he's like, ah, so that's 10. You think we need one more? We need one more. <laughs> Okay, fine. We'll do one more. 
you know, like that kind of stuff. Like it, it makes you really feel like now I know this was from the sixties originally, but it makes you really feel like this is one of those things where they had the title first and then just made the movie after. <laughs> right. Uh, well, it always feels like that in retrospect because you hear the title first. I, um, it was funny, me and my wife, like towards the end of the movie, were like, I was like, wait, who are the 11? And we're like, does the 11 count George Clooney? Does the 11 count Ruben? Because he's just the money guy. Like, is he actually part of the crew or is he just, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and then does Ruben get a cut plus his expenses back, which we could talk about the math on later. Yeah. Um, but all of those were, you know, eventually we kind of rewound to, I, I like the, uh, we're getting way out of order, but the Bellagio fountain scene at the end really makes it easy to count who like those 10 plus Danny on his way to jail. Yeah. Um, so no, yeah, I, I, I do, I do love all that. And obviously uh, 12 and 13 will, uh, you know, obviously add one and then two more. Um, well, one thing though, is I think the movie even starts a little bit before we meet Bernie Mac when he's in jail. Um, it's a very bad look for George Clooney. The hair's a little long and askew. The, the beard's a little rough. I'm sorry. It, is there really a bad look for George fucking Clooney? Especially not 20 years ago. No, he pulls it all off. Uh, one thing I didn't like notice about this. So they say, um, you know, we, we think you've pulled like other confidence schemes. Mm-hmm. And it was only like a month or two ago that I learned that confidence is what the con and con man stands for. I had never known that. I thought it was like convict or like whatever. I just had never, like never even thought about it really. Like, um, a, con, like a con man. Well, it's funny. I didn't know that either. It's, <laughs> I, I was today years old when I learned that. They say um, it in the movie we just watched. Yeah, but I didn't make that connection. I, so con, I thought like a con was like, oh, you pulled a con on someone, right? Yeah, but it's not its own word. Right, but I thought it was its own word. I mean, how, how would it make sense if you're like, oh, I pulled a confidence on someone? Well, I think it's a confidence scheme because you're like convincing them of something that's not true in order to take their stuff. Well, see, that's more, I could believe con stands for convincing. No. More than confidence. You make them confident. So it's a con Um, con, man. The other thing that's interesting is I thought the way he talked to the parole board, it reminds me a little bit of, um, a little bit of uh, red from, the Shawshank Redemption, which I guess we'll get to 40 something episodes from now. Um, but also I was just thinking like, as he's talking to them, he's like, is, is he trying to not get let out? <laughs> he's being like, these are the people that just, there's no like, there's no people after this. They just get to decide and it's all up to them if you get out. Yeah. Uh, here, uh, here's how I saw it is that, remember in the beginning, it said something like, hey, did you, it alluded to him getting caught on purpose, right? Right. And he was like, well, my, my wife left me and I didn't really have much to, and I kind of went mad. Um, which makes you think like, did he like get sloppy and, and, and being sloppy is what got him caught? Or did he just not see the point of being a free man? And he was like, fuck it, I'll just go to jail for some time. I don't know, because later you find out that he was like, trying to fence these like Incan matrimonial masks. Right. And then also he tells Julie Roberts later, he's like, remember when I went out for cigarettes and never came back, which is like, I thought she left you. So those parts, like, I don't know. I, he, he could have just been talking off the cuff. I thought um, the whole, I thought the, the 
ceremony masks were just BS he was feeding to Topher Grace. Maybe. I don't know, but they talked about it, like, really, because then Brad Pitt's like, you know, I told you, uh, you know, those would be hard to fence. And he's like, well, I thought I had a guy. And he was like, well, you didn't clearly, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they had that whole back and forth. But one thing I wanted to bring up is I was reading that uh, one line that got cut from the parole board hearing was uh, Danny Ocean makes a crack about how much the parole board members make. And uh, Soderbergh apparently talked to like several people on per like parole boards and they were like, he would not get out if he said that. <laughs> they would deny it, which is also kind of like fucked up that you would take yourself that seriously that you'll keep a guy in jail. But, it, you know, that's also just like human nature, really. Well, you learn later down the line that he likes paying people off to get his way, right? So it wouldn't even surprise me if they stuck that in there to try to like hint that he paid off the parole board uh maybe right um okay so let's let's talk about okay so i think this this starts with him meeting frank at the casino right and then him talking to frank about rusty and frank explains that rust is teaching cards playing cards to celebrities which leads to one of my favorite scenes um, uh, real quick did you notice that the newspaper he's reading has andy garcia and ruben on it yep which I thought it was just a nice little touch of like, this is going to be where the movie's going. And, the, and Ruben but, was like but, out of focus in the background. But I agree. Like the, the next scene is, is one of my favorites and it's one I knew about like before going into this. So mostly the Topher Grace part. So how did you hear about this scene going into this? Um, <laughs> just the joke of all reds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's like Topher Grace and the girl from Charmed and the guy from one of the Dawson's Creeks. I don't know. Like there's like Joshua Jackson. Okay. And then Barry from Seventh Heaven. Yeah. And then Shane from uh that movie uh with Manny Moore. A Walk to Remember. A Walk to Remember. Yep. Um so they're all there playing themselves, but like a lot like way over the top douchier versions of themselves, which is amazing. Yeah, like uh, Joshua Jackson has this like really like weird ring on his hand, like a bunch of jewelry. Yeah. And Topher Grace is a fucking like idiot. little <laughs> idiot bitch. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's great. But the thing that I love most about that scene is when they're walking out of the club and everyone goes to surround Topher Grace and like the Teen, teen Beat magazine guys. And then George Clooney and Brad Pitt just like walk past all the paparazzi like they're nobodies. I thought it was like a great nod to that. But I also like how Topher Grace pretends to not want to be noticed. And then it's like, oh, you got me. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's uh, you know, the thing about this movie is that it has a lot of action. It has a lot of like, sexy scenes a lot of like serious tone stuff but it's like a hilarious film like everything they do comes off as like a, a payoff to a setup of a joke which is kind of funny because everything is a setup to a to this big you know momentous con right and my uh my wife ashley actually had a question um at this part too she was like do you think Brad actually purposely allowed George to take all the celebrities' money by telling them he was bluffing? Which I think so. 
Yeah, but I mean, doesn't doesn't Brad Pitt get paid by them anyways to teach them cards? So he's like doubling his. Well, he's yeah, he's hooking up George, who just got out of prison. Because I think like what they put in two, I think they put in no, they put in a thousand and then two, so everyone's in for three, and there's like five people in. Yeah. So he made like fifteen thousand dollars off that hand, twelve to fifteen. A good start for someone who just got out of the. Uh... The clink. Um, the clink. <laughs> the, oh, just to understand the all reds joke, that's just a good hand anyways, right? Yeah. Okay. No, yeah, he won that hand. Yeah. Big, um, big win. Big win. Um, okay, so moving past that, I think, is when they kind of set their sights. Well, Danny Ocean has his sights set on the, not just the Bellagio, not the just, Mirage and the MGM. Yeah, not just the uh, Mirage, but also the MGM. And it just so happens that all these, like, casino money is just poured into this, like, one united vault. Right. Which is, I don't think that's how it works. Probably not, no. I, um, I, would, I would doubt it. The other thing is, so he's... Right after the poker scene, he goes and they're explaining the uh, explaining the plan to Brad Pitt, George Clooney is, and um, he just goes into this random building with a security guard and he's like, "Hey, I'm going to take these plans home." It's like, who is the security guard? They're yeah. in L.A. Yeah, like, how does he know this guy? So my theory is that it's Matt Damon's father. The security guard? I think so. I don't know. The security guard's name is Oscar. Oh, maybe not. I know Matt Damon's father is a cop, though. They did mention that. I don't, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could just say that he pays off a lot of people, and so maybe he paid off this guy. Um, but also, like, they're in L.A., right? Yeah. I think they're, it's clear they're in L.A. Why are there plans for the Bellagio vault in L.A.? I don't, I don't know, David. Okay. Maybe the, the architect is from LA. Maybe. I mean, w- one thing like th- this movie to me raised a lot of questions and I think it answers a lot of those, uh, especially upon second watch, but, but it purposely doesn't answer a lot of questions. Cause it's just like, you know, he could easily write some convoluted explanation of like, as they're walking into the building, like, yeah, this is the firm that designed the, the vault. And you're like, oh, okay. But it's like, who, you know, who gives a shit? Right. But I'm still going to ask you all of these questions. Hey, ask me, because I've caught some stuff this time watching it that I didn't catch, or, you know, years ago. And so maybe I can help you answer some of the stuff that I've picked up in, you know, a couple of years later, a couple of watches later. Um, and if you don't ask me about them, I'm going to mention them anyways. Uh, but... I think now is the time where they, you know, he gets Brad Pitt on his side. He's like, we're going to steal this vault from these three casinos. Um, and because we're going to do it the week of fight night, it's going to have over $160 million in it. Which I believe, I know this movie is completely fictional, but I believe that is like the biggest heist ever recorded 
I don't think anyone's ever stolen more than 60 million from some, like successfully from somewhere. But um, you're, acting very you... you're acting very nonchalant for something you've clearly looked up. Uh, I looked this up a long time ago. I probably have all my facts wrong, but I doubt any of our listeners are going to know better. And then, or have uh, the internet. Um, did you like when George Clooney was explaining how many other people got close to robbing casinos? That was Ruben, and I did like that. Or Ruben, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and this whole part is in basically the, the getting the – well, they get Ruben on board, and then they have to get the crew. And I really like the getting the crew. Getting the crew together scene is always great, uh, yeah. as, Rick, as Rick and Morty would tell you. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I do love that scene. I did think, though, like, in the third flashback where the cops just shoot a guy in the back because he has money – that there be an internal affairs investigation <laughs> that, that not, not just one bullet and from one cop and one gun but like a slew of bullets from five cops uh, they lit that guy up and i was yeah. just like that's that's not how it's supposed to work fellas although i do love uh, the shot of him just falling in front of the casino and all the money just flying up yeah no yeah it was it was, it was very beautiful um but it did leave me with that question and, and i like the way that um brad and george just very nonchalantly know that they're playing reuben right into you know leading him right into their hands of like oh just out of curiosity what uh what casinos are you gonna are you gonna go after and they just know that at that point they have him yeah um that that whole part is great i love uh the guy that plays reuben because i think he's kind of like perfect in this role oh totally i think everyone's pretty much perfect except one person uh, i think everyone's pretty much perfect in the role well, we're about to get everyone together. So who's not perfect in their role? Um, I can't do a Cockney accent, and I don't believe this actor can either. His was about a thousand times better than whatever the hell you just tried to do. Um, so he actually, it's kind of funny, is Don Cheadle sort of admitted after the movie that it was a horrible accent, and he wanted to change it for the next two, but they just, they wouldn't let him. Um, right. I, I don't I don't think it's that bad. It's not it's definitely like a caricature of what a British person sounds like. Well, I think especially since it's coming out of Don Cheadle's mouth and everyone knows what Don Cheadle sounds like and it's not that. Well, for a second when I was watching it, I was like, has Don Cheadle just been fucking British this whole time? <laughs> Shut up. No way. No way was it good enough for you to think that that was a legitimate accent. I mean, all British people sound like that. Oh my god. Um I yeah, I mean the accent aside, I think Don Cheadle's fucking great and everything. He apparently, though, also was, like, kind of pissed because they wouldn't put him above the title. Yeah. Like, his name above the title. So he's uncredited in this movie. What? Oh, completely? Yeah. He's like, if, well, if I'm not above the title, then just fucking leave me off of it. Um, but then for 12 and 13, apparently he's above the title. So things got worked <laughs> out. Um, um, which I appreciate his, uh, you know, sticking up for himself. Did you have any problems with anyone on the team? Um, well, they call uh, Casey Affleck and Scott Kahn twins, which is obviously doesn't make sense. Well, they, uh, could, be, they could be fraternal twins. I liked – no, I, th I thought it was fine. There wasn't anyone where I was like – I mean, I mean, like, you know, you put, like, fucking DiCaprio on there. and You know what I mean? Like, you could have, like, a, a murderer's row or whatever, but, like – Everyone who's on there is, is great. So it's like, what's the, you know, you don't just need to add big names on there. 
it's funny that uh those two the the fact that you're you're disturbed of Casey Affleck as a twin and I'm way more like in the realm of non-believing that they're both Mormon, but that's that's fine. Yeah, maybe former Mormon. Um the other thing though is and I, there is an explanation online, it's very long and complicated, so I'm not really gonna go through it. But the scene where they're like, we need a Leon Spinks, we need a uh a miss daisy we need like an ella the biggest ella fitzgerald ever um i i i kind of like that they don't explain it but at the same time i was like what the hell does that mean <laughs> um but if you just go into like imdb in the trivia section you can read it for yourself it's, it's way too long to explain but i i took it that their positions are on the team right no yeah that's what it is i'm just saying the like the the diagram of who equals what well the, the that whole thing right they have a name for everyone the only one i remember and the only one that makes sense to me is the greaseman who's the greaseman the yin the little chinese dude maybe oh definitely he's the greaseman i don't remember seeing a greaseman Say you're looking at a Boski, a Jim Brown, a Miss Daisy, two Jethro's, and a Leon Spinks, not to mention the biggest Ella Fitzgerald ever. Well, listen, look, I know they get Yen on. Who's actually? He's definitely on. He's definitely on the team. That is correct. Yes. (laughs) And they call him the Grease Man, Um, because in twelve something happens, and I remember them saying, "Oh, our Grease Man." So that's how I know. Is he not in twelve? No, he's in twelve. Don't worry. Oh, thank God. Um, they are all in 12. So, you know, you were saying before that this movie really kind of keeps you, like, it's an easygoing movie. It doesn't really like, oh, my God, what's I going to, you know, what's going to happen? Oh, they're going to fail. The other thing that never occurred to me in this film is any of them dying. I was never worried for a second that we were going to lose the life of one of our characters. And I think it sets it up with this kind of like... Um, I don't want to say lackadaisical, fake, um, oh my God, what's the word when you have a lot on the line? Stakes? Stakes, thank you. Um, it, it's not like, I think it's high stakes because they, they make um, Benedict like really menacing even though it's Andy Garcia and it's like you can make only make him I guess if you make him look like fucking Dracula he'll look menacing um I actually thought he was very it was very menacing very well done he's like he's very not monotone but just I mean kind of monotone in that he's just he speaks in this one level um he's got this reputation of like if you screw him over he comes after you and everyone you know well, that's the um, thing, right? It's like not only will he break your kneecaps, but he'll also break your mother's, break your father's, and then bankrupt your brother-in-law's business for life. You know, it's kind of like that menacing sort of vibe. What I don't understand is when they're talking about getting Basher, played by Don Cheadle, um, who also apparently they considered Ewan McGregor for, which he actually could have pulled off the accent. <laughs> um. He said, you know, Brad Pitt says there's an, uh, an issue with availability for Basher. And then the next scene is Brad Pitt, like, 
breaking him out of getting caught from this crime, like outside of a bank. Right. It's, it's like, how did that work? It's a cool scene. Cause I do love like, as they're running off and him like, Oh, like, you know, I got him and he's like, Oh, Danny's around the corner. Like it's, it's a cool scene, but how, like, like, well, you have to like there's, he... there's social media for thieves. <laughs> he's like, well, yeah. Oh, he's about to go do it. He's about to go do a crime. Well, is he unavailable because he's in the middle of the crime, which was looking like it was about to end that night? Or is he unavailable because Brad Pitt knew the people he was running with, he was going to get caught and he was going to be put in jail. He's like, I better go there. And like, I mean, that's plausible. That's, that's plausible, plausible right? Like, you had a bunch of fuck ups. So yeah, he's going to obviously go to jail. And didn't um, he get caught because they were a bunch of fuck ups? Yeah, they forgot the the one job was the alarm and they couldn't do it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then, you know, the next scene we get to is, you know, you're, you're, you talked about how like, do we need a, do we need another guy is 10 enough? Um, the way like Chicago is shot, like the way like them on the train and kind of it's this weird camera, like movement and stuff. And uh, the way like the train moves and stuff, I thought it was really cool. It's also just like something I've seen in a lot of Soderbergh movies. Um, but what's cool is you get like a lot of background without a lot of talking on the train on george clooney right well you you get that matt damon is just this guy that that pickpockets people but the way that george clooney is able to pickpocket him yeah and that he knows his father who does this sort of thing and you know yada 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 but the fact that he's so good that he can pickpocket a pickpocket is like okay that's one of the things this guy does you know he's a con man but this is like the breadth of what he could do well it's like you look at all these people with all these skills right and like you have to assume George Clooney's skin, skill is just being incredibly good looking. But he could probably, you know, best over almost any of them just on the kind of con man he is. And yeah, you're right. You don't quite understand that until you see him get one over on Linus, uh, played by Matt Damon. Now, here's an interesting thing, and here's what they don't spoon feed you, is that when George Clooney was like, hey, you know, your father is going to, you know, he trusts you, I trust you, blah, blah, blah. And then you find out his dad's a cop. That's kind of like a weird connection, isn't it? Oh, I didn't hear the cop part. I thought he was just someone who also did con stuff he is maybe. but he's also in the fbi oh okay yeah well because so maybe um, he's like an fbi consultant that would kind of make more sense for like a conman yeah maybe right like a frank abagnale type well, thing there's but, that but then that's how they got the swat car in the end was who his dad how do you know that they mentioned it I don't remember that. Briefly. I thought they just painted a SWAT car. But what I was saying is uh, George Clooney doesn't know that that's his dad, right? He just said, hey, this guy recommended you. And he's like, oh, you know, no, my he, father. He works. does. Yeah, he does. Matt Damon mentions that it's his father. George oh, Clooney yeah, doesn't. shit. Yeah, you're right. Right. Which is not a big point, but I just want to prove I was right. Um, <laughs> my next question is, so they all meet at the, the house in Vegas, Ruben's house, which is a really nice house. The guy clearly doesn't need to rob commit a, a crime that could send him to jail forever or have Andy Garcia, you know, kill him in the desert. Um, but how does, <laughs> how much money do you think Ruben put up for this whole thing? 
way more than, <laughs> than you probably got. Well, no, I don't think it can't be above 13, right? And I'm, I think they would have to give him back like his expenses. Well, yeah, but think about it this way. Didn't he, did he, he didn't even do it for the money, right? He did it just to get, get over on Andy Garcia. Right. But I mean, like as far as expenses, right, they had to buy those vans, which why was Bernie Mac like really concerned about Ruben's money? I, I like to think that like Ruben was like, I'll give you this money, but you got to get a good fucking deal on the van. <laughs> He's like, this fucking guy is trying to try and get an extra two grand a van out of you. Don't let it happen. Um, but I, I mean, you think about it. So he bought the vans. He somehow got these like really cool digital plans that George Clooney was using to go over, which didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, he had to pay for like, uh, Carl Reiner's stay in like a couple different places, it seemed. Yeah. Um, and then everyone else to be able to stay in different places. I mean, like, I don't know. I could see. And then they had to pay for the vault and then like the warehouse near to, you know, do all that, yada, yada, yada. But I don't, I don't necessarily, I mean, I could see hundreds of thousands, maybe even up to like close to a million, but I just don't know where the rest of that would have gone. No, no, no. You're, you're absolutely right. But I, you know, again, I don't think he was doing it for the money. He was doing it for his pride because he lost, he basically lost his casino to him. Right. No, I, I agree. Um, and then next, the, you know, they kind of start getting the plan in motion as far as like we have two weeks of prep work. Um, and one thing I thought about is, you know, Bernie Mac over here is one of the lonely tech guys right. um, talking about this stripper. Uh, Charmaine is a extremely big loose end in this fucking movie. There's actually a ton of loose ends in the in the movie. Uh, that night guard that gave them the plans, hmm? right? Oscar, yeah, I Oscar, agree. yeah. Um, the bruiser guy at the end is not though, because apparently George Clooney gave him a couple million, right? So that guy's taken care of. That guy's yeah. good. But Charmaine looks like she got a wad of like maybe a thousand dollars or something for that. Probably probably good enough for a stripper and her mother. Who knows? Not yeah. Until she finds out that. She stole that card from a guy that works at the Bellagio and then $160 million two weeks later, Charmaine's going to come a call in for extra money. Well, here's the thing. I mean, what makes you think that they gave them, gave Charmaine a real name, a real address, a real contact? Uh, she's fake name, know. burner phone. Come on. Well, one thing though, Rusty, Brad Pitt seems to know her, right? Cause he's like, you know, how's your mother doing? Or say, tell your mother hello. And she's like- Well, that was his job. He was set up for two weeks to get to know or for the guy to get the intel so he could go and do recon. Right, and I, but Rusty seemed to have like a relationship with Charmaine. Like he knew her previously and he knew her mom previously. Like Rusty seemed to be around Vegas a lot and just like know people. I guess I thought it was because he got that intel and he he just started making friends with her that quickly just to get it get the in maybe I don't know they seemed pretty chummy she's a loose end it's very clear okay she needs to be off I get it go ahead yeah they have to kill her obviously um and then they got extremely lucky with Livingston's fuck up of like leaving that like digital device the camera thing in the room with all the wires <laughs> and apparently you can just stick a thing on top of the wires. I mean, maybe that's real. I don't understand. I, I, like I said, I think that's some technical bullshit that they just threw in that movie where it was like, no one's going to, no one's going to care. And no one does. I didn't. I thought it worked until you brought it up. Um, but, uh, but all that is, uh, you know, I think there, it, it is funny that like 
the many like loose ends you can pull from this and then also just like the the very close calls of how they they could have fucked this up so here's my like plot wise here's my favorite part of the movie right they set all this up they explain to them but they're really explaining to the audience you right how hard this is going to be the security in the elevator the motion detectors in the elevator now once you get down to the vault there's all these security guards with uzis and then more lasers and the hardest vault you'll ever break into right so they set up this mission as basically damn near impossible and then with every time they get one over on it and they get a little step closer they're fucked by something totally out of the blue that they never saw coming and they have to think fast to get it over with and my favorite one is when uh brad pitt finds out that tess ocean's ex-wife is dating andy garcia um that that raised a big question for me how did brad pitt not know that tess was dating seeing well you have to assume he wasn't as close to um as close to Danny as say like Frank was because Frank knew. Did Frank know? Frank knew. I don't know. I don't remember Bernie Mac saying that. No, Frank didn't know. I thought Maybe Frank. I don't. My point is that that I feel like Brad Pitt should have known as close as he is to Rusty that he would have kept tabs on what Tess was up to. Um, that he would have just known that one of the most powerful people in Vegas is, is banging your, your best friend's wife, well, ex-wife. Here, here's the thing too, right? Is because Rusty didn't quite want to do this job. And then he's like, why those three? They're all, all owned by this, you know, douchebag Benedict who like, why? And then you get like, oh, it's not the money. It's revenge for fucking my ex-wife. Right, well, it's both, but yeah. Well, both, but mainly one or the other, and because he's like so specific about it. Uh, and then I love, you know, um, Matt Damon is like gorgeous. My it's my favorite part of the day. <laughs> gorgeous redhead. Did you notice in this specifically all the food Brad Pitt was eating throughout this movie? Yeah, the little pot stickers and the ice cream and... He's eating like basically at every point we see him in this movie. Um, and also he's in this scene is eating shrimp. And apparently they had to film it so many times. He ate like 40 shrimp just for this scene. Yeah. I mean, that's like a whole running thing with Brad Pitt, right? He likes to eat during his scenes. I think that's mostly from this movie. Yeah. Like this is like definitely over the top of it. But Actually, yeah. I would, I would safely say it's all from all three trilogies. <laughs> All three movies in the trilogy. All three movies in the trilogy. He's constantly eating, like in every scene. I think even more so in Ocean's Twelve. He's every scene. He's eating something. Well, I think that's probably at this uh, after that they're sort of playing on it. Uh, by the way, we did skip over the uh, Danny Ocean saying we need to build a, a replica of the vault, and Brad Pitt says, "Oh, for practice." And Danny Ocean's like something like that, which definitely goes over your head as not important. The first time you watch this yeah um we'll get into something else too but about the vault i had i watched this with taylor and i had the best reaction from her we're watching it it's getting to the end and uh you know it gets to the end where andy garcia is first noticing that and um 
she turns to me and she goes, well, when did they have time to make another vault? And I was like, babe, it's been in front of you the entire time. And she like looked at the TV, looked back at me and she's like, oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you you don't quite get it's the one they've been practicing in where Yin like does the backflip onto the counter. Um, you get it. I got it right when he was saying, oh, we had the Bellagio logo added on Tuesday. Right. I mean, I think that's when it becomes clear. Um, You know, I also thought going sort of close to the end that perhaps like this was a very, very long con where uh, Tess was in on it. Oh, you thought Tess was in on it? I thought like, yeah, I thought that this might have been a real, real long. I, I like, I didn't think it was going to go that way, but I was like, that's a possibility. Like I could see that because one thing, especially in the first watch, I, if you pay close attention to the second, it makes a little more sense. Um, but after the first watch, her going back to Danny makes no fucking sense. But then there's like these small clues throughout, yeah. which like, um, specifically when she when he slips her the phone and he kisses her on her on the cheek, the her reaction to the kiss on the cheek is like, I really wanted this kiss on the cheek. Like I, thank you. And then uh, her saying she threw away the ring and then like you know kind of sort of vindictively and then but you find out she actually didn't you know because obviously she still loves him. Um, it, it makes a lot more sense when you see the subtle stuff in the, in the second time. But the first time I was like, this is kind of bullshit. Like why is she going back with this guy? <laughs> Yeah, uh, Taylor said that she wouldn't be happy unless Julia Roberts ended up with no one. And I was like, this is not that kind of movie. Um, but I love how, and again, here's another little hint that kind of pays off the end that you don't notice in the beginning. Um, Brad Pitt asks Clooney, if it comes down to it, are you going to choose the money or are you going to choose Tess? And George Clooney says, well, if everything goes right, I'm not the one that's going to have to make that choice. And then it's played that Andy Garcia has to make that choice. They film it and, um, you know, show to test, like live cam feed or something like that. And uh, that's how Andy Garcia loses Tess. Right. And she, she kind of gives the line back to him because, you know, earlier she goes to kiss him and he like points up at the camera and he's like, someone's always watching in my casinos. She kind of hits him back at the same time. Um, I do love the, the dinner between Brad Pitt and Julia Robert or sorry, not Brad Pitt, George Clooney and Julia Roberts where Andy Garcia eventually comes, which by the way, they eat at the same restaurant at the same table at seven 30 every night of their lives that's crazy yeah I, I can see that i mean i guess if you consider it, it's like you know people eat dinner and this guy just like can't eat you know people make dinner at home and eat dinner at home all the time and maybe he gets different things but i also just thought that was a little like weird um you know and i i love the the dialogue between them is pretty great uh like the i get monet and mane mixed up and like which was the one with syphilis and which was the one with the mistress and uh, Julie Roberts is like, they also can't, uh, they also painted occasionally. Yeah. Um, and you know, does he make you laugh? And she's like, well, he doesn't make me cry, which is another sign too. Right. Like she clearly is settling for someone who's just like good enough. Like 
you know, no, he doesn't make me laugh, but he doesn't make, you know, you hurt me and he hasn't hurt me. And well, like, you could also take, him. you could also take the, he doesn't make me cry because he's not worth shedding a tear for. Like he's, she's, you, for me, I took that like, she can never be emotionally invested in this guy. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I, I don't, that's not how I took it. Whatever. He's an asshole. It's kind of like telling for Tess that she can't pick up on his assholeness, but maybe he's just nice to her. I don't know. The one thing too is, and I, I looked into this because it seemed like Vegas and specifically the casinos really like, it, uh, so I, re- I read up on it and there was like a lot of cooperation between the Bellagio and the filming of this. And then also like the two boxers, uh, Klitschko and Lennox Lewis, um, yeah. they never actually fought. I thought that they had like filmed this around a fight, but no, they just like, they hired, like, I assuming they paid Lennox Lewis and Klitschko to like be in this movie and to pretend to fight. I believe um, it. Yeah. I thought it was just like, they took the opportunity to, uh, to just like do it around the actual fight, you know, cause you really would just need a camera in there and then you'd need a seat for Julia Roberts and Andy Garcia. Um, but it is really cool that like the way they staged that, it feels so real. So it's like, it's really well done, you know? Yeah. It's really well done. I mean, at that whole finale is just so clean. Um, so, so let's, let's get more into the heist a little bit. What did you think about the Mormon brothers having to play so many roles? I was like, eventually it feels like someone would have figured out that these guys are like, well, so the balloon cowboy hat, if you think about it, the balloons covered the camera. And then there's only one dude who we don't see again who comes over and like breaks it up, right? Right. But then these are the these guys are uh, uh, Saul's like bodyguards when he's pretending to be the arms dealer. He they're the wait waiters from the floor, like the the drink guys from the floor, and then the waiters from the restaurant. Right, and then they're the dudes who take money to the back, but they forgot their card, and then they're the paramedics. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> And then he's like, oh, I told you, you should have hurried as the guy dies. Um, one thing I really thought about is when that one dude says, hey, Saul, Saul, I think it was a Goodman. Um, no, Saul never... Goodman is from Breaking Bad. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely correct. What is his name in this? Lyman Zalru. Zerga, that's his Zerga. fake name. Yeah, Lyman Zerga is his fake name. Saul Bloom. Saul Bloom. Yeah, yeah. So what, so what did you think about that? Um, one thing I was like, he says Saul Bloom, and I was like, well, shit, now he knows who you are. Right. He's gonna... That's the thing is, like, they talk about Ruben's like, you don't want him to know you're involved, right? But Andy Garcia after this, and obviously, at least, you know, I've seen the, the commercial on Netflix play for Ocean's 12, so I know... Oh, like, so you know. Okay. Oh, I know Andy Garcia is back. Um, and I, I, I sort of remember, like, how the second and third play out from trailers. But he knows who Saul is. He's going to figure out, like, hey, that fucking Nevada Gaming Commission guy is not real. So I know what that guy looks like. I'm tailing Danny. I know he's in on it. Yeah. Um, Bernie Mac, probably fucking in on it. Right. Um, <laughs> so it's like he's got five of them right there. Um, and I don't think it would be too hard to figure out the rest, right? I mean, because he... Are you counting as the five? Are you counting the two Mormon brothers? No. Because he knows what they look like. 
I get, yeah, he did see them when he's with, when they were with Saul, but they're also like, he's the type of guy that may have not been, I mean, he'd have to look back at the cameras. Um, and then there's a the question of like, did they fuck with the cameras that night? You know what I mean? Cause if they had control, maybe they made it. So like all those tapes are gone. I maybe would. Livingston did that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, from the tapes and stuff, he could probably figure out who almost all these guys are. Did you um, catch, uh, did you like the fact that, um, was his name was paid off. So he was just like beating his own fist. Yeah. Bruiser. Bruiser. Yeah. Yeah. But did you see like, did you like how he opened the elevator shaft, Matt Damon? And then there's just, there was George Clooney. Yeah. One thing that, that made me, when I first watched it, I was like, all right, so did Clooney just do this on his own? But then you realize like he told Brad Pitt and Matt Damon's like, Oh, why the fuck would you, why'd you guys do that to me? And he's like, Oh, just cause it was fun. Yeah. Which it really, he didn't do it because it was fun. They did it that way for the audience. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? The same way that when he's going over the plans in the beginning and he's telling them all, this is the most difficult. This part sucks. This part sucks. This part's going to be hard. This part's going to be hard. And, you know, Saul's like, oh, so even if we do all those things, how are we, are we going to be able to get the money out? And he's like, yeah. Because yeah. we're all in the middle of the desert. I love that part too. Right, but no, well, that's Ruben. He's like, even if you get out, you're in the middle of the fucking desert. But Saul is Carl uh, Reiner who plays Zerga. Um, but like, they only explain, they don't explain how it's done, but in because of the audience, right? Because of us. He doesn't right. want us to know how it's going to be done. But then obviously, he's going to have to explain it to these guys how we've done. You hear me? So that's kind of this movie. Yeah, we just don't see that part of it until we, we need to at the end. Right. No, yeah, I, I get it. Um, so my question to you, David, is... Oh, one, one big thing that I want to mention before I get into my question to you. Did you like how in one scene it very quickly captured that he's very proficient in model cars? And then my next question to you is, did you see that ending coming? Did you see the van being controlled by a... a like a... a robot controller thing off site and then did you see them being the SWAT team I don't know when I figured out they were the SWAT team I think I had an inkling but Brad Pitt's voice is so fucking recognizable as the leader of the SWAT team like as soon as he spoke I was like okay well that confirms everything I did not think it was a robot driving that car um and I also questioned if the technology 20 years ago would have been good enough for, I guess he's controlling it. So it's not driving itself. But right. at the same time, I was just like, that seems a little implausible. So I think now is a good time to tell you a point where um, you probably missed. It's not a very big detail, but it's a detail that I really like pointing out. The pamphlets for the hookers being in replacement of the cash right right and it's replacing the cash in the van the cash left over in the vault i think that actually the cash left over in the vault is mixed with some actual money it's just like enough dollars to be like the front i think to make right. it look like it's money and um so in one scene and it's the scene where it's Matt Damon, Brad Pitt, and George Clooney, and it's just the three of them, and they're talking amongst themselves, and they're they're in some sort of factory. It's on the 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 things are on the conveyor belt. It's a paper cutting factory. 
and they're cutting the hooker pamphlets as they're talking about and it's something that you just don't like even pay attention to i didn't realize it until you started talking i was like oh okay that's what that was well because uh that's when they tell matt damon oh you just have to tail this guy yeah george clooney's like oh walk before you crawl and brad pitt's like opposite of that other way around (laughs) um Um, yeah so it's just like little details like that that i just love this film did you like that basher like brings a problem to the group that's going to completely derail everything but then it's like oh wait i also automatically have the solution to this we just need with the pincher yeah we just need an emp machine to completely which by the way the only thing i know the only reason i even like know about those did you ever see the movie broken arrow with john travolta no it's where John Travolta plays this bad guy and Christian Slater plays a guy trying to stop him. But basically John Travolta is stealing a machine that like releases an electromagnetic pulse um, as a weapon. It's actually directed by John Woo and it came out, I think, around the time that uh, Face Off did. But anyway, that's the only reason I even know about those machines is because of that crappy movie. Um, but I thought that like that part was cool because it also just was like, oh hey, because of this, we have this other side heist that you get to watch. So wait, how did he how did he bring a problem in the first place where you need the EMP? Because because the explosion, which you can't really follow because he's talking in, you know, this stupid accent with a bunch of this slang that you don't understand. I love the uh what was it we're uh, we're Barney? And they're like, what? Barney, Barney Rubble, trouble? Barney Barney Rubble Trouble, we're in trouble. Because he, uh, he talks about how when they blew up that casino, uh, Ruben's old casino, oh, uh, yeah. it made them realize that their grid had an issue. And it was the thing he was going to do to the grid to buy them the time they needed to That's break into right. the vault. That's right. Yeah. So oh, he, I like, lost it. I lost it when fucking Basher said, was like talking to one of them. He's like, ain't that right, governor? I'm like, fuck this. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then what's funny too is right after that, Damon completely screws up getting Wen's hand jacked up, which you don't need that issue. But then he's immediately rewarded by getting promoted to handling like one of the harder jobs. Um, yeah. Which also like was George Clooney was going to be the undercover Nevada Gaming Commission guy. That part would have never made sense. Yeah, that part like, you could have never sense. taken that chance that he doesn't know what his girlfriend's ex-husband looks like. But didn't they meet at that point? Wasn't well, no, that they met, and dinner? that's why he, they met, and that's why he couldn't do it. Oh, and then probably all along, George Clooney and Brad Pitt was like, "We're not going to do it that way because, yeah. you know, of the obvious." Of course, results. he would know what you look like. Yeah, um, but I did that. That part was a little crazy. Um, and then we just get right into the heist. Like, you know, we start actually making it happen. The point I find the most interesting once we get into the heist is when the lights go out because then, like, civilization crumbles in Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, Because they talked about no one can steal from the casino, but when the lights go out, everyone (laughs) is trying to steal from the casino. (laughs) Right, yeah. Everyone's fighting each other in the crowd. Apparently the Lennox Lewis and Klitschko just decide like, let's just start beating each other. Once the lights come back on. Like that part was kind of interesting. Um, and I just thought it was funny. Um, so I also like the scene where, who was it? It was ahead. No, it was George Clooney and Matt Damon uh, coming down on the wires. Um, 
from the bottom of the elevator. Uh, and another scene where Taylor was funny in asking me like, oh, how, how are they going to get like past all those motion sensors? And then they just turn off and they just go down like no problem. She's like, oh, that's how. Yeah, they came back on very quick. The thing that I had a question next on is, what is that little disc that they throw that just knocks out the guards? <laughs> yes, yes. It's just some unnamed, we have no idea how it works, but it just causes the guards to pass out. It's like no gas is released from it. It's just nothing. Is it a gas? Is it like a flashbang? Is it a, like a high vibration sound? I don't know. It makes no noise and it seems to work slowly because it knocks one guard out and then the next guard out like five to 10 seconds later. Which I actually appreciated that detail. Where George I thought Clooney it was funny. Was like, yeah. Which is logically, I don't understand what yeah, it was. I, don't, I think it was a BS thing. Um, um, and then Yen almost gets stuck because of the hand bandage. So that pays oh, off. No, no, no. Even before that, he over jumps the right. the thing which i who have seen this movie who knows how it ends even like jumped a little bit in my seat like oh shit i like that bernie mac tries to bet again with livingston and livingston's like i'm not taking that bet and it's like why well i'm not gonna bet on uh like we got 160 million on the line i'm not betting on this you know what i mean i'm not jinxing it um but what i also thought was interesting is like why does blowing up the door take out all the lasers on the floor? I thought the... Oh, shit, you're right. I don't know. I thought because of the EMP. The... No, they were back after the EMP. That's why he had a jump. Yeah. Man, I don't know. This movie is fun. It's not meant to be that smart, except for the scenes where they're very smart. I do, I do really like all of them as each of them like gets their cover blown or is just done or whatever. You know, Carl Reiner, Bernie Mac walking up to the monitors and they're just all watching. It's like, all right, I don't have to do anything, so I'm just going to watch. I, I do not know where they are hanging out at, though, because like, you know, Brad Pitt's watching the monitors and he's like, okay, I got to quickly make it over to the casino. You know what I mean? Like it, they're in a room. They're in they're in Saul's room, but at the Bellagio. Yeah, that's dangerous, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's why it's so awesome because they're literally right under the guy's nose. I guess yeah, maybe. I was and I really like, like I really love how suspicious Benedict gets because even like, uh, what's uh what's Saul's fake name? Lyman Zerga, right? Yeah, he gets real suspicious of Lyman Zerga, and it's like I don't care how how. Like, first of all, are those like real, like 10 carat black diamonds or are they fake? Or it's like, why are you going to put them in your vault? Like, you're going to fall for that? That was kind of unbelievable to me. Well, I thought about that, but it also, it's like, what, does he just have like a jeweler like on scene who can investigate this? And like, this dude has clearly spent money. You know what I mean? He's up, to, he was up 200 grand the night before. So it's yeah. like, wh like, what's the point of questioning? I will say when you see the guy getting called another name, and, you know, he says after that, he's like, you know, I don't trust you. But it's like, you don't, you, you, you still are trusting him a little too much. Yeah, but then he's like, hey, you can't go in the vault. Um, you can just watch. You can just watch. And he's like, yeah, that's fine. He's like, oh, okay, I guess, sure. Like, what is he, I guess in Andy Garcia's head, like, what is he risking at that point in having him just watch? 
Um, but I do love how, once again, out of an unforeseen circumstance, that, that suitcase was placed on top of where Yin was supposed to get out. Yeah, and then as as he's getting out, he's like, he, Yin can clearly see, he can hear the case and can see, hear the chain and see the chain. And he waits till like the last second to grab it. Yeah. Those are like the most stakes. It's the most tension in the entire movie is, is I, because Yen almost fucks it up twice. I agree. And I love it. Um, I do like, you know, they show everyone gone from the computers. It's right after Andy Garcia is like, you know, you should all hide, run and hide. And you, they're like, you see, they, it shows the room with the monitors and they're not there anymore. Right. And that's to kind of throw you off from the fact that these are the SWAT guys. But then 10 seconds later, you hear Brad Pitt's voice as the SWAT guy. And you're I like, didn't okay. catch that. I didn't catch it. It was Brad Pitt's voice. I was way too, I, I don't know. I was not paying attention enough, I guess. It's also Tess could have completely just thrown a wrench in this because she catches Brad Pitt talking about the heist. And Brad Pitt's like, go to your room. And she's like, fine. I guess I will. Yeah, but at that point, she's totally in George Clooney's pocket. Or not pocket, but he, she's on his side at that point. Like, uh, she's teetering, so I think she's at least willing to let it play out. Um, for the fun, right? Because it's always been like her, like, I'm not going to say kink, but she's always found what he did wrong, but interesting. One thing is, how are, uh, while they're all playing SWAT guys, it does seem like they're still able to control the cameras. Like, they're, they're able to switch the cameras over a little bit for him to see stuff. Who? Um, they're, uh, Andy Garcia, he's looking at the cameras as they're playing, as they're all going down to watch the SWAT. Um, and then one of the cameras changes over to something. I was like, how is that being controlled? But I don't, it's kind of a. But not all detail. of them were SWAT, right? Not all 10 of them were. Uh, maybe, but the guy who could control the cameras wasn't in that room anymore because right before they had just shown him running away. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. But then, of course, he, they get caught when he, he realizes that the Bellagio logo isn't on the floor, which I think is one of, the, one of the most satisfying revelations that you, as the audience, come to with Andy Garcia. It's like, oh, shit, that's a fake room. That's the room they built. Right. And then he I will say that this movie does sort of dumb things down for people because, like, you should be able to get it right then. But then he explains like, oh, they must have built a fake room. And you're like, oh, okay, now they get it. And then how did they get out? You see the SWAT guys walking out carrying bags. But that's not enough. Brad Pitt has to lift his visor up, which he would never do in real life in, if this was real life. Okay, okay, David, okay. It's a movie. It's for fun. The, I, yeah, go ahead. And I, I will say, and I guess maybe Livingston stayed back and was running the cameras because there is a scene afterwards, I think, where he is, uh, he's like sweating yeah. because he's doing something with the cameras. Um, I may be getting this out of order, but... I think you I, are, but I think you're right because I don't think Livingston was one of the SWAT guys. So he totally could have been the one like... Yeah, maybe Carl Reiner went down there. But <laughs> I do... <laughs> <laughs> But I do, I do like them showing Livingston mostly just behind the cameras, but sweating the entire time. He's a nervous little guy. Yeah, which um, they established in the beginning, but I thought it was like funny, like the, the payoff of such a subtle payoff. So you know how the vault is like way, way below ground and all the explosions and everything like that, like the gunshots and explosions 
can't be heard above ground, right? Right. So as soon as, even before that, because, okay, so it's been a while since I've seen this film. So I remember only bits and pieces. But even before that, I was like, oh, I know it's the fake vault. I know it's the, the vault that they made in, in the warehouse. But then I thought, oh, maybe what this whole thing was is they actually robbed the bank like hours or robbed the bank. They robbed the vault like hours and hours ago. But they're playing this whole thing up on like a recording basis that's playing when Andy Garcia is watching it. So he's like, oh, I'm going to go down there. And he goes down there. And it's like, it looks nothing like it does on the camera because it happened like ages ago, but that's not how it played out at all. No. But it could have, um, right? Like, did that ever go through your mind that it was a, it was a time thing? Not like a... No, absolutely. Because they could control the cameras. So yeah, I, I thought that was a definite possibility. Um, and then the thought I had after this, George Clooney gets back into the room. So like George Clooney gets back into the room and is then getting beat up by the bruiser guy as Andy Garcia walks in. And like the thought I had when that happens is like it like Andy Garcia could just still kill you because he decides like you're probably in on the you know what I mean? Like just because you think you have this airtight alibi, it doesn't mean that this guy couldn't just kill you. Um and no one would know. Um but then the thought I had after that is like, you know, can can Julia Roberts really be upset that Andy Garcia values a hundred and sixty million dollars just more a little bit more than her? Yes. Yes. But it's a lot of money. Yeah, but he's taken care of because of the insurance company. Maybe, I don't know, $160 million. I don't know if the insurance company's covering that. Okay, well, they do. But he's also worth... Oh, is that... Did you just spoil Ocean 12 for me? What a fucking asshole. <laughs> uh, the other thing is, I guess he is worth three... They say three quarters of a billion dollars. So now, you know, it's just he's only got, what... 560 well, that's million, not his own. He didn't put his own money up there. He owns the casinos. He owns the casinos, but it's it's revenue that they've gotten from the casino. It's cash flow from the from the casino. It's not his well, no, money from his to, private bank. They just have to ha- I mean it's his money at the end of the day cuz he owns the casino and they said that it's not it's not just it's not just income and profit from people losing it in gambling they have to for every chip on the floor they have to have a dollar back there Did you know that about casinos? I don't even know if that's real now to be oh, honest okay. with you. Fine, okay. Fair. Um yeah, he's covered. It's it, look, it's really not about All right, look, even though if you don't watch 12 Julia Roberts says that they're covered. You know, they say, oh, you rob a bank, you, no one loses out because they're covered by insurance. So I think that's what you're just supposed to assume that is happening to Andy Garcia, that he's covered for every penny on, on, that was stolen from him. Which then it doesn't matter about the money, right? Because then it just comes down to pride. And I think that's what the recording of showing Tess was for, is that does he value Tess over his own pride? And he doesn't. He much more values himself. And his pride over that someone got one over on him. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I would totally, I'm totally on Tessa's side. I uh, really love like the fairy tale song that plays at the end of this as Tess walks out of the casino. And then as all the guys are standing in front of the Bellagio, um, I thought that was kind of like beautiful and just a a good way to end it. 
Did you did you think it was going to end with him going to jail, or did you see that like oh three to six months later? Well, I thought it was funny that it, he says three to six months, and then it says three to six months later. Um, I I didn't I didn't know either way. I didn't, I, I thought you know obviously he's not going to stay in jail for forever. Um, I, I did like that you know the guys are fo- still following him. Andy Garcia's guys are still following him, and it's like that very obviously leads into a sequel. I'm. I'm curious if they kind of always always plan that, but um, yeah, I I thought that part was cool. But yeah, the, just the way this ends, I thought was really, really well done. I love how he got in jail just because he broke his parole, nothing else. Yeah, well, I mean, I, at first I was like, wait, why, why is he going? To, is it because he was in the casino? But he it's because the state. He, right. Well, it's I didn't realize it's it's very subtle the way they talk about the fact that he was jailed it's you know they lived in new york but i guess he was jailed in new jersey so either way new new york new jersey he's not allowed to leave the state um but i didn't it's kind of that's kind of hard to follow because they don't spoon feed it to you in the beginning like where he's coming from and the fact that they moved so seamlessly from the jail in new jersey to the streets of la to to Vegas. vegas right yeah like it it's all done kind of very seamlessly and then it's not like there's like a title card on the on the screen to tell you where they're at so i know you've done this because you always do this with big ensemble casts um you are now going to tell us who was going to be cast instead of the actual cast members well so uh yeah i'm not (laughs) going to go through all of them but there are some pretty interesting ones um all right so, do you want to know who the original Danny Ocean was? All right. Who was the original Danny Ocean? Bruce Willis. <laughs> okay. But in this version, he's actually trying to stop an explosion in the vault um, because some terrorists have his estranged wife. And uh, no. So, yeah, Bruce Willis, I don't like that at all. I, I think I don't even know who I could possibly see doing this besides George Clooney. Like, he's... I think this part is kind of like synonymous with him at this point. Like he's Danny Ocean. It's just like, it's his most, it's his most notable role. It's like, what, what role do you think of George Clooney first? When you think George Clooney, what do you think of? Cause having not even seen Ocean's 11, I think of the Ocean's movies. Yeah. I think of, I think of Danny Ocean. Um, so yeah, I mean, ER and then, uh, yeah, it's Danny Ocean. Um, the Matt Damon part was originally offered to uh, Mark Wahlberg, who decided instead to do Planet of the Apes. Uh, which, yes. like, you know, okay. could have worked, worked out better. Um, the Mormon twins were originally offered to Luke Wilson and Owen Wilson. Oh, that would have been great. I would have loved that. I would have, too. Ashley, Ashley said she didn't like that. And I was like, no, nah, you're wrong. Um, but they chose to do Royal Tenenbaums instead. Which also apparently um, Danny Glover was offered the Bernie Mac part and he chose to do Royal Tannenbaums. That's and funny. then Bill Murray was offered a part as a lounge singer. But he decided to do the Royal Tannenbaums. Right. They lost four people to that movie. Um, and I didn't really look into the rest. It seems like once, uh, once George Clooney was cast as Danny Ocean, I think Brad Pitt was kind of the next choice. He's he's like so perfect in this role. It's kind of a, it's a very low intensity part for him. There's not a really a whole like lot of like range of acting that Brad Pitt has to do in this. 
but it's just such a cool part. So I really love him. I love everyone in this. I think it's a great movie. By the way, when you asked me what synonymous part does George Clooney play, and you know, we we agree pretty much uh, Danny Ocean. Um, I I also can't help but think of George Clooney as Batman. I mean, that's obvious. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah, like, actually, that, that movie is shit, but I actually don't mind him as Batman. Yeah, no, right? Like, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, like, his voice just works for it. He's, he's got the best voice I've ever heard. Not just in Hollywood, just ever. I, I'm going to say something that's going to blow your mind. Are you ready for this? Do I have to say I'm ready? Or oh, hold on, yeah, yeah. Let me get ready. Hold on. Okay. Okay, go. George Clooney and Brad Pitt are a year and a half apart of age. Huh. Huh. Guess who's the oldest? Is it Brad Pitt? No. But you would not <laughs> you would not guess that they were a year and a half apart from age. So during the filming of this movie, I think they were both like 34. 436 okay <laughs> and uh it's insane what gray hair can do to a person yeah have you ever seen michael clayton no i have not oh, that's a that's what we have to do that's i don't even remember it that well but we need to so i just want to i just want to end this uh episode on a question i actually asked taylor and uh, so I, I just want to know your answer for it too. Uh, between George Clooney and Brad Pitt, who's uh, better looking? Brad Pitt. Wow, she said George Clooney. What? Yeah, and I, I think I agree. There's something about Brad Pitt. I don't know. George Clooney has this very like distinguished look about him. I mean, if you when you add in the voice, I don't know, man. Brad Pitt. Do you remember Brad Pitt in the middle of Benjamin, Benjamin Button? Button? Yeah, that's true. We'll talk about this on 12 when we bring Taylor in. Okay, that sounds good. We're, we're bringing, uh, going to slowly bring the team together. Son of a bitch, I'm in. God damn it. Uh, can, oh, and this doesn't even have to go in the cut, but can you guess who number 12 is in Ocean's 12? It's not Julie Roberts. Yeah, it's Julie Roberts. Okay. <laughs> go, go fuck yourself. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Alon. And this is David. And I finally watched Ocean's Eleven. <laughs>